Good morning. How are you this morning? That is good. You guys can grab your seats. I'm not sure how you came in this morning, whether you've come in tired, come in a little bit fatigued, maybe a bit frustrated, maybe you're feeling really good, but however you've come in this morning, I hope you've come with expectation and excitement for what it is that God wants to say this morning. So before we go any further, let's just pray. God, we just thank you that we can come together to hear your word, God, that you're with us, that you're present, and that you're speaking to our hearts. And so, God, we fix our eyes on you, we fix our eyes on your word, and open our hearts to hear what it is that you would say to us as a group, but also personally. Amen. TikTok, which uh, is always a great place to start with a Sunday message, uh, TikTok yields a a variety of viral moments or trends that um, in recent times, as the platforms launch, have have actually become embedded in our current pop culture. Now, uh, there's a trend that has been circulating on social media for a little while, which started when a Swedish influencer asked her Instagram followers to find out how often the men in their life think about the Roman Empire. Now, uh, there's a number of things that we all think about on a regular basis, right? Like, uh, did I lock the door when I left? Uh, What am I going to have for lunch? But apparently, the Roman Empire is also high on the list. And so this trend happened where where women would film themselves asking, you know, some man in their life, whether it was a boyfriend, husband, their dad, a friend, whoever, they would ask this question, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? And people were shocked to find out that this is happening more frequently than we ever suspected, right? It would seemingly turn out that men are thinking about the Roman Empire like all of the time. So uh, some men, in response to the question, said they thought about it, you know, semi-frequently. Uh, some people said they, talked, uh, they thought about it once a week. Elon Musk said that he thought about it every day. That's a lot of time. You know, the legacy of, of Rome is burning bright in men's minds across the world. So ladies, if you're here and uh, if you ever look over to a man and, and wonder what it is that's on their mind, uh, Social media has told us the answer. They're probably thinking about aqueducts and forums and gladiators. The Roman Empire is what they're thinking about. Now, um, obviously, this is social media, and I'm sure that uh, there are plenty of men that are not thinking about the Roman Empire every day. So if that's you and you're here and you're like, well, I never think about the Roman Empire, uh, well, firstly, you probably are right now, so sorry to, uh, to break your Roman free streak. Um, but secondly, don't worry, like it's not going to derail the rest of this message. So after this, uh, this moment went viral, it actually turned into this thing where um, beyond the Roman Empire, people were starting to ask themselves, well, what, what is my equivalent of the Roman Empire? What is it that's something that is something that I'm thinking about all the time? So this phrase, my Roman Empire, has become this thing that is the equivalent of something that has gripped my daily thoughts. Uh, it's being used to describe something that I'm thinking about daily. It could be a favorite movie a pop culture moment, um, a celebrity, a memorable moment in your life. So in context, someone might say, uh, my Roman Empire is the plot twist of Sixth Sense. I'm thinking about that all the time. People have shared a variety of things that they are identifying as their Roman Empire. Responses online have included um, the Black Plague, you know, just 
something lighthearted to dwell on daily. Um, Fleetwood Mac's 1997 live performance of Silver Springs. Uh, the film Titanic and the fact that Jack definitely could have fit on that door. Um, the superior graphics of the early 2000s Windows XP uh, w media player visualizations. I don't know, like pre-internet, when you played a CD and you played those visualizations, it was just like a vortex, a wormhole that you just got lost in. Uh, for me personally, I think <laughs> my Roman Empire might be the time that I said I love you so much to the checkout person instead of thank you so much. I think about that a lot. I think it was uncomfortable for us both. There's a range of responses, um, each one speaking to something that someone has fixated on. And now this morning, I'm not actually here to get into the psychology of why men do or don't think about the Roman Empire, but I do feel that there is something worth considering that this social media trend has highlighted. And this is it, that there are things in life that our thoughts can become fixated on. There are things that can be constantly circulating within our thought life. So why is this even worth thinking about? Well, the Bible says in Proverbs 23, verse 7, that as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Meaning that the things that we are giving our attention to, the things that we are meditating upon and allowing to have airtime in our life will eventually be outworked and demonstrated in our character. You know, thoughts are, are mental cognitions. They're ideas and our opinions and the beliefs that we have about ourselves and the world around us. They're the perspectives that we bring into situations that we may encounter. They shape the way that we interpret information to make decisions. We can have impulsive or intrusive thoughts like um, every now and again, if I'm on a plane and I'm in the emergency row and I'm sitting next to the door, there's a brief moment where I look at the handle and I think, should I? <laughs> and, then, and then I think, no, no, obviously not. And I go back to my book. But that is an intrusive thought. <laughs> you never do that. We can have intrusive thoughts. We can have destructive thoughts, positive thoughts, logical thoughts. There's all types of thoughts. But a thought that is long-lived, that is a thought that's on repeat, eventually becomes an attitude. Lao Tzu, the Chinese philosopher, he said it like this. He said, watch your thoughts, for they become your words. Watch your words, for they become actions. Watch your actions, for they become habits. Watch your habits, for they become character. What you set your mind on shapes your character and your behavior. But there's even further impact than that, than just on our character, because Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, the heart as it is being referred to here is actually the inner part of ourselves. There's three parts to who we are. There is the body, which is our physical being. There's the spirit, which is the God-breathed essence that's on the inside of us that connects us to his spirit. And then there is our soul. And the soul is the part of our being that's variously rendered as our, our will and our understanding and our mind. It's our emotions, our desires, and our thoughts. 
And while we're on this side of eternity, we live with the constant tension between our spirit and our soul, where our spirit is actually trying to lead us into all that God has for us. Our spirit is trying to lead us into God's very best, into deeper revelation, into deeper relationship with Him. But our soul can try to usurp that authority by leading us into a place of self-centered comfort. Now, uh, self-centered comfort actually doesn't sound like it's too shabby a deal. Like comfort, that sounds pretty good. Comfort's good. We like comfort. And that's often how our soul tries to appeal to us. Because the ultimate self-comfort is a feeling of control in our life. And so our, our soul will try and give that to us by tethering us to our feelings and our thoughts. Whatever you think is good, do that. Whatever you're feeling, that's true. But the Word of God says that our thoughts are not His thoughts and our ways are not His ways, which means that our spirit, which is God-led, and our soul, which is self-led, want to take us to very different destinations. And this is what Proverbs 4.23 is referring to. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What we dwell on in our minds will shape the way we live our lives. Guard this inner part of yourself. Guard your soul. Guard your thoughts. Because what you choose to allow to lead you in life will either empower you into God's very best for your life or lead you from it. There is power in our thoughts. And so it is so important to actually consider what it is that we're thinking about. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive. Now in the original Greek, the word for captive has a connotation of warfare, to take, uh, to take captive or to, to subdue. And so what um, it's more accurately talking about is bringing this into submission, bringing something into submission to a higher authority. Paul's basically uh, reminding us of what we just talked about earlier, that there is this battle between our spirit and our soul. Our soul wants to define everything by the scene, by what's in front of us, by what's known, by what's evident. But our spirit understands that there is more to life than what we can see. There's more to life than what's directly in front of us. As the scriptures say in Corinthians, that our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. Our soul can easily focus on the present struggles, on what's happening in the here and now, but our spirit is working to refine us and redeem us and achieve that eternal glory, which is the refinement of who I am and who I was created to be. It's the process of conforming to the image of Christ. The soul is reactive. It's all about cause and effect. This has happened, therefore I do this. What's happening right in front of me? The soul is reactive, but the spirit is responsive. Romans 12, verses 1 to 2, and it's one I'm sure we've all heard before. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now the word for transform that Paul has used here is metamorphosis, which you might recognize as, as being linked to this idea of metamorphosis, the process of being changed. So just like the metamorphosis of a caterpillar to a butterfly, we too are being transformed, except it's this lifetime process of refinement. But how do we experience transformation? According to Paul, we do it through the renewal of our mind. But how do we do that? How can our minds be renewed? You know, I think that there is one key part of Romans 12, which is so easy to overlook, but I think it can help give us a better understanding of the context. It's one word, and it's in the very first line, and it's this word, therefore, therefore. Why should we be bothered thinking about this word? Therefore is a linking word. There's something that has to come before a therefore. The word therefore means for this reason. So you use it when you're talking about something or it being the result of something. Therefore, there must be something that Paul is actually trying to link Romans 12 to. There's a key contextual part that precedes this verse. See, Romans is kind of like in two parts almost. You've got Romans 1 to 11, and it really speaks to this freedom that we have as followers of Christ. It speaks about the power of what Jesus did on the cross and the freedom that we can now walk in, that he gave his life that we may be restored. It speaks of the justification that we now have, that we don't have to strive or struggle to make ourselves good before God, that we are now seen entirely through the lens of who Jesus is and what he has done. And that all we need to do now, all we need to do, the only thing is respond to his free gift of grace. That no matter what kind of mess we carry in life, we can walk in total freedom because Jesus claimed all victory, all authority. Romans 1 to 11 declares the gospel truth that we are broken and we are messy and we are flawed, but at the same time, we are completely seen and loved and valued, that we have this identity, that we are accepted in Jesus Christ. Which brings us to Romans 12, which starts by saying, therefore, therefore, let us present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Therefore, let us not conform, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. What is Paul saying? that this renewal and this transformation is not something that we've actually got to struggle and strive to figure out and make happen, but it's something that we can actually experience in response to understanding who Jesus is and what He's done. Because we know Jesus, we can be renewed. Because we know Jesus, we can be transformed. It's not something that comes from us trying to be better. It's, it's not something that happens because we've become more self-aware. It comes from being more Christ-aware. 
It comes from having a revelation of who Jesus is and what he has done. And so in response to that, I no longer have to be led by my feelings. I no longer have to be led by my thoughts and my emotions and my soul, which is reactive to the circumstances that are before me, that's reactive to my whims and my limited understanding. I can now be led by my spirit, which leads me in response to the truth of the promises of God. And it's understanding this This truth that actually enables us to take every thought captive, just as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, that we would take every thought captive to obey Christ, meaning that we would examine our thoughts and bring each one to be in alignment with the truth of God's Word. Through 2 Corinthians, Paul is saying to us that there is a struggle between the soul and the spirit, but ultimately we get to choose which one is going to have the loudest voice. And so I think this morning we need to consider, are we taking our thoughts captive or are we captives of our thoughts? Let me put it another way. Do you exercise power over your thoughts? Or do your thoughts exercise power over you? How can this look? To be captives of our thoughts are to be tethered to the roller coaster of our mind, of our will and our emotions, that what we feel and what we perceive become our guiding truth. But taking our thoughts captive is recognizing that you are not your feelings that you are not your thoughts. And so although you may feel a certain way, although there may be things or circumstances or people in life that make you feel a certain way, we can take those feelings and we can take those thoughts captive by bringing them into alignment with the truth. How do we do that? We do as Paul says in Romans 12, and we live responsively to the truth which means that in all we do, in all we desire, all we think is viewed through the framework of who Jesus is. We take our thoughts captive, and to do that, we've got to know what has captivated our thoughts. And one of the ways that we can actually do this is to examine our inner dialogue. We examine the dialogue and the way that we actually interpret what's happening to us and around us. See, much of our, um, our inner dialogue can actually be self-focused. We can think things like, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. We can think, I'm not going to be able to do this. I've made too many mistakes. I always get things wrong. I'm destined to fail. I'm a lost cause. We make a lot of I am statements. But the problem with this is it's so focused on who we are. To take our thoughts captive, we've got to bring them into alignment with the truth. And the truth is that our identity is not defined by the way that we see ourselves, but through the identity that was bought for us through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. When our inner thoughts are framed through the context of who He is, it actually begins to redefine the way that we see ourselves. We change the I am statements to He is. So instead of saying, I am not good enough, we can now say, he is more than enough. Therefore, I am secure. Instead of saying, I'm always stuffing up, 
We can now say, He is faithful, therefore I can walk with confidence. Instead of saying, I'm a lost cause, we can now say, He is the God who would leave the 99 for the one, so I'll never be left behind. We begin to declare the truth of who God says we are. That's responsive thinking. It's viewing our identity through the context of who God is. Romans 8 verse 6 says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. When our thoughts are oriented around who we are, they will lead us down destructive and damaging pathways. But when we fix our thoughts on the Spirit, when we're led by the truth of His Word and His promises, by the truth of who He is, by the truth of the identity that we have in Him, we are led into His very best for our life. We're led into peace. We're empowered in the freedom that we have in Him. Taking thoughts captive means that we refuse to let any lie, that anything that does not align with the truth, we don't allow it to build a stronghold in our mind. Ephesians 4 verse 20 says, that's no life for you. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to Him being well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has got to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces His character in you. He came to to overcome the powers of sin and darkness. He came to overcome the grip of sin and his death and his resurrection means that we now live with that overcoming spirit within us. That knowing Jesus and knowing who he is gives us this understanding that there is no earthly power or authority that can overcome his victory and his authority. And so when we find that there are strongholds in our thoughts, strongholds of negativity, strongholds of doubt and uncertainty, strongholds of insecurity, where there are any patterns of thinking that attempt to speak to our identity, we need only to speak the name of Jesus and declare that He has overcome, therefore I can live in the light of His truth. I can walk victoriously. I can walk in freedom and with peace, completely defined by the truth of His Word and all that He has declared me to be. We take every thought captive to be obedient to the truth. But we've got to determine what our thoughts are actually captivated by. What has captivated our thoughts? Are they captivated by feeling or are they captivated by the truth? How do we ensure that our thoughts are captives of truth? We examine what we fixate on. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. 
What does this mean? It actually means that we have a choice in what leads us. We have a choice in what we give our attention, our time, and our focus to. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable, things that are worthy of praise. You know, I used to think that uh, this meant that we could only ever have really good thoughts, you know, that like you couldn't think anything that was a little bit, little bit off. I was, you know, you have to constantly be thinking about rainbows and sunshine and sparkles and cupcakes and glitter and the only things that are lovely that you can think about are the things that you might see in a children's picture book. That's what I used to think, that to think good thoughts, that's the only thing I can do. But that's not what Paul is saying. It's about being intentional with your thoughts. It's about recognizing patterns of thinking and where they're coming from and then discerning if they actually align with the truth. He's saying, hold on to what's good. Give your time and your attention to things that will actually give you an eternal perspective. Set your mind on things above. Focus on the things that are going to produce godly character in you. Meditate on the things that empower you into the identity that you have in God. Focus on these things. Focus on the things that elevate the security of His truth over the instability of our feelings and our limited perspective. Dwell on these things. Now, if you don't know what they are, if you don't have an understanding of what God's truth is, then get into the Word of God. Steep yourself in His Word and come to understand what it is that He actually says about you, about who you are. The Word of God is absolutely full to the brim, overflowing with the promises that He wants us to walk in. Talk to one of the pastors. Find out, how do I even get started? Where should I even begin? Set our minds on things above. Surround yourself with people who will empower you into that identity who will empower you in truth. Fix your thoughts on these things and you will find that it changes the way you live. It changes how you see yourself and it changes the way that you view your circumstances. When we're led by the truth of who God is, when we're led by the truth of the identity that we have in Him, we're led in peace. We're led into His peace. We're empowered into His freedom. And that's a really good thing. Come on, church, why don't you stand with me as we finish up? God, we come to you now and we come before you and we just hold our thoughts to you. We ask you to examine our thoughts and point out any, anything that does not align with the truth of what you say, of what you declare, that any thought that we hold that, that doesn't actually empower us into who you've called us to be, that we would seek to align them back with your truth, that we would bring it to be captive in obedience to you. God, I thank you that you've given us revelation and that we can live in response to that revelation, that we don't have to try and work it out in our own strength, that we don't have to struggle and strive to be good, to think good, to be self-aware, that we don't get better through self-awareness, but simply by responding to you, because you've done it all. There's nothing left to do except respond to that gift of grace, that invitation to walk with you and to go deeper in relationship with you. 
And so right now in this moment, God, we wanna be intentional. We wanna fix our eyes on things above. We want an eternal perspective, a perspective that permeates all areas of our life, that we wouldn't live defined by what's in front of us, by feelings and emotions, that we wouldn't live tethered to the roller coaster of life, but that we would walk in step with your spirit, being led by what it is that you have called us to focused on that identity that we have in you and you alone. Remind us of that. Give us strength to let go of the things that hold us back from aligning our thoughts with yours, aligning with the promises that you have for us. We thank you. Amen. We take every thought captive to be obedient. Let's take that into our week. Let's take that into our everyday. Come on, have a great week. Team's going to take us out with one last song.